Hello and welcome to episode, you know what number it is, Nick? What episode is this? Double digits, episode number 10 of Sonic Inducers. Pro Jam's best album. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's a a whole other topic for another uh, (laughs) podcast episode. Um, But uh, yes, welcome to episode 10. We're very excited. Can't believe it's almost been a year since we started this this thing. I can't believe it. My goodness. And uh, yeah, I hope you had a great uh, Thanksgiving holiday. I know not everyone that listens to this celebrates that specific holiday, uh, but we had a few days off. Um, and that means we're in December, which, uh, you know, in the music industry, that can mean one of two things. Either everything just kind of shuts down and nobody's around or it's busy as all get out. So we'll see what happens. We're hoping for uh, the first. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So welcome to Sonic Inducers presented by AdRev. Uh, and, you know, Nick, I, I don't think I've ever asked you this. You know where the name Sonic Inducers comes from? Have Sonic we ever about this? Inducers. I don't think we've talked about it. Maybe we touched on it in the first episode, but um, I don't know. Sex Pistols? Is it going close? Back to There's a okay. punk band called the Dead Boys. They have a song called Sonic Reducer. And I mm. thought, oh, Sonic Inducers, plan words, kind of a fun punk band name. Get people on that are sonically inducing in the music industry. I anyway, enough of, me, enough of me murdering. Uh, murdering. Um, was I going to say murder? Nerding out. <laughs> My God. All right. <laughs> so, uh, yes, this episode, I want to, we want to touch base on uh, something that's happening in the music industry, specifically in a production music world, um, micro licensing. This has been a topic of conversation and, uh, on people's minds. Yes, it is very interesting. Interesting. Boy, I'm having a hard time today. Uh, so I was in London a few weeks ago and spoke on a few panels for the IPMG, the International Production Music Group. And one of the panels was about micro licensing and where we're going here and what it means and what it is. Uh, and there's still a lot of confusion. Um, I think people know what the basic. Do we uh, license idea? micro machines? Micro machines. It's a micro machine license. My it? God, I would be on board. I love. Wouldn't micro that be the best? Kid. Yeah, remember those commercials? The guy that talked really loud. I feel like Who that's what I'm doing that right guy? now. Yeah, he was a voiceover guy. He was really good. He was the best. He was the best. Uh, I actually remember an interview of. Uh, he said, "You know, if you ever lose your voice and you need a quick fix, he said, swallow a spoonful of Vaseline, you'll be you'll be cured in no time." How crazy? do you remember this stuff? Because I just have that <laughs> memory. I remember everything. So. Uh, but micro licensing. So basically, the trend that's happening now, there are a lot of creators out there, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, a lot of influencers, and they are constantly making content. Oh, let's not forget Twitch either. And they, in their content, obviously, they they want to enhance that content with music. So mm-hmm. there are all these people making these videos, and they want music in it. So that means there are there's there's a a great opportunity. For people who make music, who are uh, who own libraries of music, to tap into this marketplace, and that's kind of where we are right now. And there has to be a solution for this. There has to be some kind of option. And I think there's a lot of you know what ifs, and there's a lot of how do I do this? A lot of questions. And sure. it was particularly in- interesting at the the. Um, the event and the panel that I was on, because again, I know enough about micro licensing just to talk about You've it. You've been doing it for a while now. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Adref, that's, that's who we are and what we do, but it started as audio micro and audio micro was an, uh, is a micro licensing platform where if you make music, you can create an account, you can upload your, your music there and you can sell these pieces of music for smaller licensing fees to use on YouTube videos or 
you know, anything online, um, but then you can sell a higher licensing fee for use in broadcasts like TV, radio, film. And then I think there's a theater license. But again, you know, that's (laughs) how it's hard to, um, it's hard to police that because you, you, it's kind of the honor system. You know, you buy a piece of music, you own it um, in perpetuity worldwide. Sometimes these licenses, not really specifically with Audio Micro, but maybe other platforms where you can only maybe use it uh, a thousand times or 10,000 times sure. if, you're, if you're making an independent film and you distribute it and, you, you know, you only get like 10,000 um, uses, then that means you can produce it or, or, or reproduce it 10,000 times. And after that, you're supposed to buy a new license, but no one polices this. It's, it's a really difficult. There, there's it's all, a tricky yeah. one. It's a tricky one to track right. that. Right. All these nuances that are kind of leaving people, you know, a little bit paralyzed as what to do. Um, You know, we're building something. Audio Micro is going to become very robust and very um, curated and very um, streamlined where, you know, you buy a license and then if you use it on YouTube, it goes on YouTube, but it won't get claimed. And it will kind of all these pieces will work together to make the, the, the process painless for you and your licensee. Um, but besides that, I think a lot of music libraries are like, what do we do here? Um, and it was really cool to, to, to just be on this panel and basically just say, Hey, here's what I know. And then have questions come in and and hear the concerns from, uh, from this subset of the music industry. So it's either you build a micro licensing platform yourself Mm -hmm. or you find a micro licensing platform that exists, you partner with them and you hope and pray cross your fingers that there, that your music performs well there. But again, these are all like what ifs, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but the thing is you, you don't want to not do it because that's, that's, it's happening now. It's, it, this is, this is a thing. You so, don't do it and you lose the potential chance of your content uh, of your, of your uh, compositions being used. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's great to get your stuff synced. It's great to get your stuff, you know, in movies and TV and film. Um, but if you want to stay competitive, if you want to stay current and you want to diversify, micro licensing is something that you should really consider. And I think even on the commercial side, I think there's opportunity there. Obviously the, the licensing might be a little more expensive, especially if you're talking about like more marquee artists, but if you're an indie label, I don't know that, um, produces you know, like underground hip hop or something. Sure. Again, vocals, music with vocals is something that's a real big need, um, or big want, I should say, for creators. Because I think a lot of people default and think, oh, well, I want I want music to be in the background of my video. Um, most of the times people think, oh, I just want an instrumental. So you can, it just enhances right, right. what I'm talking about or what I'm presenting. But we're seeing a trend too, where they want stuff with vocals in it. So how is that changed? Because I can see that having an instrumental as the bed, as the background, filling up the dead air makes most of the sense. But if you, but I would imagine that content that has actual lyrics to it, um, and a variety of different, um, you know, uh, cadences and stuff like that would, would, would make things confusing, the content confusing. How is that? Right. I mean, and that's maybe my old school mentality of thinking sure. that way as well. Sure. Um, but we, there are a few libraries that I actually was able to, to hang out and talk to. And they were saying, you know, we're really ramping up uh, our our libraries with more vocal tracks. And I, and I was like, that's great because I've been hearing that that's like a need and a want. Uh, I guess if you're a creator, 
maybe you want something that just not to say that instrumentals don't sound legit, but I think there is this, um, they want to have the, um, perception that they are finding this, like, you know, music first. Sure. Right. About it, you know, yeah. like a pacemaker, trend maker, whatever. And so if you find something that basically, you know, a song with lyrics, um, and you put that in your video, everyone's like, Oh, who is it? Who is this? Is this Drake? Is this, you know, no, it's some artist I found, you know, like sure, oh, look sure. how cool I am. I don't know. Maybe I have no idea. I mean, that's just my guess. That could be an um, element of it. Yeah, it could be. So again, the want, I think basically if you boil it down, there's a want and need for this type of music. And, um, it's either they, you know, use your music or they're going to go somewhere else and find it. Um, and if they're willing to pay, you know, um, but the, you, you have aspects of having your music being used without a license. You can monetize that, um, you know, and get revenue from there. Great. But if someone's willing to pay for it, especially, you know, someone who might ha- be an influencer or, 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 or know, they know that, hey, look, in order to comply with copyright, I should, I need to license something, you know, I want to be legit. I, w- I don't want to risk having my channel be striked or whatever the case may be. So if they're willing to pay for it, why not give them th- that option? Right. Well, I got a question. Right. Sure. I totally agree. Um, now, what about the majors? Are they jumping on board with this? Are they doing micro licensing? And I'll just tell you from my experience, when um, I was over at, uh, uh, Warner, their their sync team, they weren't um, doing any micro licensing because it seemed like there was too much legwork and not enough uh, not enough payoff. Now, granted, things could have changed, but from your um, conference, did you did you see that more majors and more um, big players were stepping up and and jumping on board? I think that's a, that's a great question. As, as far as on the commercial side, I, th- I don't think the the majors are even thinking about this. Mm. I don't know if it's time for them to think about this because there's also the, um, the, the image that micro licensing your music cheapens it. And that is, that is that there's some truth there. Sure. Um, you know, if you go with um, maybe a lesser known micro licensing platform, you know, it, it's kind of like, <laughs> what, what is their, what is their, what is their client base? Like if Mm -hmm. they can only afford, you know, 10 bucks to license a track, well, you're kind of set yourself up for your music to kind of have that value to it. Right. Um, on the production music side, yeah, uh, the majors are, are, are stepping up there. They know that there's value here. Um, and I, I, I would guess to say that at some point, um, there might be a major on the commercial side that, would maybe try something like this. Um, you know, another conversation I had with uh, a lot of the libraries and, and this has been a conversation I've had for a while now, actually is when someone is thinking about micro licensing their catalog, they, again, there's all these like hesitations. They don't want to cheapen the music. They don't know mm-hmm. who to, like maybe partner with, should they build it themselves, which is a really daunting task. It's like, you know, take a subset of your tracks, maybe the tracks that don't get much love or they're just not as popular yeah. they don't sell as well yeah put those put those on a micro licensing website or company and let those just make you some money see, you know what, what, I mean? see what happens right see what, see what uh, grow from those seeds mm-hmm. so on the commercial side i mean maybe 
maybe it would be like when you go to well who goes to a record store anymore but when you see the bargain bin <laughs> you'd you know be surprised I, mean? I, think I know things are turning around you're right i mean i do just be, but that's because i'm old school um but it would be like the bargain bin, right? You walk in, you see the bucket full of just old CDs from <laughs> maybe some one hit wonders or I don't know. There's like a really crappy movie soundtrack that you had, you liked one song on it. Oh, look, it's 99 cents. Let's buy it. That's good. Um, I, you know, I was a poor college kid. I, I, I was doing that stuff. Um, so yeah, but I think, you know, that will, the commercials might do something, you know, post the, the production music world, maybe, you know, building this. That might be the first time they follow that as opposed to the other way around, right? And the beauty, the other beauty about production music libraries is they usually, 99.99% of the time, if not 100% of the time, they administer and own both the master and the pub. So That's a huge bonus. So again, if, I mean, maybe, and that's the other conversation to have too is, yeah, when you sync something on TV or film, if you own the publishing, then, you know, cue sheets, you, you can track the broadcast and get some performance money there. But when you're talking about, you know, online media, it's a little bit more difficult. And I think we could save that topic for another podcast episode. Cause that <laughs> there's a lot to say there. For sure. um, but it was, it was a really cool discussion because I learned a lot. I yeah. was not expecting where that conversation went. I was just expecting to like talk about it and everyone kind of nod their head and be like, Oh, that's a good idea. But it, it, I learned that there, there's, there's a dilemma there where, you know, do we build this ourselves or do we partner with somebody? Because keeping everything in house is great, um, but again, if you build your own micro licensing platform, you're competing with the ones that already exist. And if every production music library builds one, then you're all competing with each other. And yes, um, you know, there's friendly competition there. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But you're, what's be- beautiful about the production music. Um, world and we've been a part of it for a long time and I was introduced to it through working at AdRev is a it's a very um, they support each other it's a very beautiful kind of big family uh, and I actually I got to go to the production music awards after the panel yeah, which I didn't yeah. I knew existed but I have never I'd never been to it um, I got sn- I snuck in last year but got kicked out anyway um, <laughs> <laughs> or it was two years ago but I actually bought tickets this time and uh, I I ended up hanging out with the West One uh, music group. Shout out to West One clients, good of folks, Adrev, good, good people, folks, always yeah. a good good hang. And uh, it was just you know they are used to it. They've done this. They do this year after year. But me, it was like this big beautiful banquet room, and I was like, what categories do they have? And it was like best ambient uh, production music track, best folk, and a lot of these had lyrics. Again, a lot of them were like fully uh-huh. produced. Not that instrumentals aren't fully produced, but lyrics and beautiful lyrics, beautiful songs i'm like there were songs that's what you yes, just said there were full, songs. like compositions yes yeah, so yeah, yeah mind blown mind blown um so there's going to i think in 2022 uh the micro licensing thing it's going to be on all of our lips as, as it already is but i think we're going to see it more like pushed in our face and like here it, it's here mm-hmm. um you know get on board you know um and yeah, so hopefully, you know, our solution will help. But if you're a production music library, just find that solution that works for you. It's like partnering with anybody. You want to just make it feel like an extended part of your company, right? Like like a family member, something, someone that you trust. So um, yeah, that was, it was a good trip overall. But uh, speaking of, of end of year, the holidays are upon us. 
And another thing I wanted to talk about was, you know, now that Thanksgiving's over, it's like all you hear is holiday music, right? It's and starting. Actually, right. So I, I was actually at my mom's for like a like a post Thanksgiving hangout, and I'm like, I, we, we our one tradition in my family is we put up the tree and the decorations like right after Thanksgiving. The day Friday on. or you do it right after? Well, we try to do it uh, the day after. It ended up being yeah. Sunday um, this year, but as soon as we can. Um, and then, I, you know, I'm the DJ, so we usually my mom has <laughs> a five-disc CD player. It's classic. We usually stick with, like, the five discs. It's like Frank Sinatra and Tony Andy Bennett. Williams, Bing. Yeah, and then, but, but, it, it's, but it's five discs, right? So you right. put it on random, and it will play one song, and it takes, like, 45 seconds for the <laughs> disc to drop down, the thing to spin around, and it picks another one. I'm like, and so I get over there, and I'm like, hey, Mom, you want me to put the CDs in there? She's like, well, I took them all out because I was listening to a bunch of Joni Mitchell, which is great. And I'm like, I don't want to – it's going to take me 10 minutes just to find all these CDs and put them in here. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> We'll just listen to some music on my phone. Perfect. So my point being was like I was trying to find like the perfect playlist because I'm old school, man. I love like mm-hmm. the Bing Crosby, like the yeah. stuff from like the 40s, 50s, like, you know, the rockabilly uh, Christmas stuff. But it's hard. I'm, I'm going to have to build my own playlist. It's hard to find one that kind of just f- fits my needs, you know. Um, but uh, what we notice in our side of the industry is we have a few songs, a few Christmas slash holiday songs. That this time of year, man, this is when their earnings skyrocket because everyone's listening to it, especially on YouTube. Um, And you and I were talking about this and Mm -hmm. we've talked about it before where it's like if you can write, if you have, if you, if you can write that holiday song that just uh, lives on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, come Q4, man, you're doing all right. But it's not, right. It's not easy to do that. Um, But again, you can cover there's a lot of people that cover songs, which, which is cool, but I'm old school. Unless it's a really good cover. Like give me the original, right? Give me being crowd to be singing white Christmas. But so that's the thing though. That's the puzzling thing. You're okay. You're a young fella, right? You weren't around in 1939 yes. or 1942 <laughs> right. when Bing put out white Christmas. I think it was mm-hmm. 1939. Okay. Right. Um, but guess what? That song still rings true to you, and you still want to listen to it. You weren't around when it came out. You weren't around when that movie came out. But it's the your whether it's your traditionalist, whether it's the part of the season, whether whatever it is. I'm just like you. I want to hear White Christmas. I want to hear Bing's version of Jingle Bells, or I want to hear Sinatra's version. Listen, I wasn't alive when the, when those songs came out, but. It's it's this crazy, um, not crazy, but just amazing thing with holiday songs. Catalogs that own holiday songs, those are the top earners. They bypass all pop songs. It's just, um, and you think, well, how is that possible? You know, how is that possible? Well, it's okay. You know what? Say you've got uh, one of your favorite artists. Well, you know. Let's say Pearl Jam, for example, you know, sells 10 sold, I think in whatever, 91 when it came out, 20 million records or something like that. But you, uh, shoot, I think Silent Night, all the covers have sold about 150 million records. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, it's, and it's because it's just this, it's cyclical, you know, so, and people associate 
that music to that part of the year. And they'll be that way for the rest of their lives. It's and nostalgic. It's, it's tradition. Yeah. And to, speak, to speak on the Bing Crosby thing, the reason it resonates with me is because they listen to that in a Christmas, a Christmas story. Yeah. That, there's Bing Crosby's on the radio, like almost every scene. And because I love that movie, yep. I was like, I, you play that music in your house around the holidays to kind of recreate that feel. So mm-hmm. that's, uh, yeah, I wasn't alive back then, but that, but that movie made it popular. And then, you know, I went through a phase where I was like really into the crooners. So of course, like Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, all those guys. Right. Um, so like, but that just that jazzy big band kind of vibe to me, like when I think of Christmas slash holiday music, that's, that's what I think of or like Jingle Bell Rock or something like, like old vintage yeah. recordings. I know? agree. I agree. Um, it's uh, and it's funny you mentioned those movies is because all of these, uh, not all of them, but many of the songs that were written, um, you know, seventy plus years ago, they were from movies. You know, like mm. White Christmas, right. like Rudolph. Like, I mean, Rudolph. All the songs in that in that uh, claymation movie were written by one guy, one. You know, right. so. And you look back on some of those other, um, you know, Let It Snow, two guys, Jingle Bell Rock, two guys, um, you know, um, it's one or two, um, Silent Night, Silent Night, Fran- Franz Gruber, and I can't remember the other person. Is that the bad guy in uh, Die Hard, which is also a Christmas movie? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, oh, that was Hans Gruber, my bad. Hans Gruber. Yeah. But it's... There are these huge pushes with these movies pushing the songs. The movies get played every every year, and I'm not saying this is the reason why these songs are so popular. They have they. I mean, Christmas is a time with, or the holidays rather, is a time with family. You're all around. People are, you know, you're watching, you're feeling good, you're celebrating, you're listening to music, you're watching TV. And I love the Christmas story. I love the Christmas story. You want to know something? Christmas story that was directed by my neighbor in the town I grew up in. Wait, Bob, whoa, 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 Bob Clark. Well, I just Bob. sounded like Bing, I just sounded like Bing Crosby right there. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, hold on. Yes. Let's get to that. I have a thought. Be- I, a, a song in a movie, especially a holiday movie, holiday music, mm-hmm. is like the best free promotion there is. Because you're basically just pushing it in people's faces and ear holes and like, here's a song. Uh, you're going to watch this movie and it's going to have this music in it. So I guess you're listening to this for the rest of your life every come December. Yeah. Wait, okay. So Bob Clark. Bob Clark. Is that what you said? Was That's your neighbor. Hold yeah. on a second. Because that movie takes place like in, in Indiana or Ohio. 40s. Like in the 40s. Yeah. So wait, he directed it? Yes. Okay. I get he also that did part. Uh, Porky's and those other. I think he might have done Stripes too. I think. But okay, I I maybe I misheard you. I thought you said he directed it in the town I grew up in, like next. No, to the he, town. Lived like, in the, he lived in the town I grew up in. Okay, well, you, you guys are the same age. Come on. No, 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 no. He was okay. he was my buddy's um, dad. Oh no way! Yeah, way. that's pretty cool. Wow, yeah. you know that the house in that movie is is still standing. It's a museum now. I like, heard. I yeah. want. I'd love to go. I think it's in Cleveland. I think somewhere, somewhere, somewhere in the cold part of uh, it's of a great Ohio flip. or Indiana. I, can't, I know it's supposed to be like South Bend is where it takes place. Anyway, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. somewhere over there. But that's cool. But yeah, music or movies. You know, it, that's. I think that's why a lot of these things last um but then you've got 
more current things. That was my argument to you. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. when was the last time um, a holiday song that wasn't a Bing Crosby song yeah. or, or, or or like, you know, those old school ones, when was the last time a holiday song like really made an impact? And the only thing I could think of were two. Yeah. Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. Yes. And then George Michael, um, Last Christmas. That's But right. since then, it's not like you're hearing, uh, I don't know, uh, trying to think of a like Olivia here's Rodrigo why, doing like here's a new why, Christmas hit. But we'll, could you imagine? Knows. Could you imagine? We'll, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, maybe it she'll come out a, with one this it week. It takes a minute. Listen, mm-hmm. um, uh, George Michael's uh, version of, um, or not version, his tune, Last Christmas, I'm sure it wasn't a hit straight when it came out. When it came out, I think eighty four or something. Mm-hmm. Um, all of this, all of these things, all of these tunes, they have to. It kind of has to marinate a little bit, you know. Like it has to have a season, then a next season, and then a next season, and see. That's my scientific view on things, um, <laughs> because um, I remember when that tune first came out, uh, and I was really little, but. You didn't hear it on the radio like you hear it now. You don't hear mm. um, "Last Christmas" like you hear like you hear it now. Um, a tune that we talk about, um, uh, "White Christmas," and how Bing did it. What's the movie that you hear a different version of "White Christmas"? I'll give you a hint. Came out in the nineties. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> boop, boop. Go. Let's go. Come on. Boop, boop. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> Oh my god, that verse. See, but again, okay, that that's a great segue. Yeah. And then the next point is again that I again because that movie and that scene is so iconic and great yeah, and, it is. and and it's part of my childhood. So of course that's gonna stick with me. But even that, that version of the song is just so cool, right? It's so, so cool. They did a great they did a great cover of it, and so I want to listen to that version too. But I feel like because it is difficult to write a holiday song that will stand the test of time, it's easy to default to just do covers of the standards and the classics. And that's Agreed. great, but unless you really, really, really like an artist, I don't need to hear another version you know, of let it snow. My God, you know, you see, that's the thing you would think of it, but people love those songs so much. I'm a curmudgeon. I know. Michael Buble, he did a version of uh, white Christmas and he didn't do the Bing version. He Mm -hmm. did the drifters version. So he did a cover of a cover. That's when, you know, your song has really um, just uh, exceeded generations. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, I'm doing a cover of a cover. Like, so the covers have have gained that uh, that notoriety. It's really, really awesome. I think you're going to find um, like some of the pop stars like Kelly Clarkson. I know uh, Blake Shelton, I think, put out a Christmas record maybe with uh, Gwen Stefani a couple of years ago. It's going to take a couple of years to see if people listen to these again. Because um, if they ring true, if there's something about them, if there's a simplicity about them that people want to listen to them again, you can't make songs too complicated. You know what I'm saying? No, no. You know, it's like, it's got to be simple. It's got to be, you know, um, like, uh, like Silent Night, like, uh, like we talked about, I think it's three or four chords. Uh, the music was written before mass. Um, 
uh, to play at church mass mm. Catholic. Yeah, you're very Catholic. Yes, I know. Um, <laughs> but um, simplicity. There's a simplicity about it. Um, yeah. But it has to ring true with people. People have to find it's got to strike a chord with people. And then the next season, people have to say, oh, I want to hear that uh, Jesse Worstell version of uh, – of, of, um. <laughs> What's funny, I know you're laughing about it, but uh, I, I want to go back real quick. When you say cover of a cover, that made me think of like all my impressions are impressions of impressions. So if you hear me do an impression, that's because I'm doing an impression of someone else doing that impression. But – um, yes, you're, I, we, we didn't plan this ahead of time. Like your segues are like spot on this episode. So I do have this, um, <laughs> goal at some point to record my like ambient instrumental version of, um, Oh, Holy Night, which is my favorite traditional That's holiday a good song. One. That's a good and one. And then as far as like a, like the, a more contemporary one, I can't really put a finger on it. I, any like the, like rock around the Christmas tree or jingle rock, those things get me excited, but. Um, oh, Holy Night for sure is like favorite holiday song. What about that, you? That's a good one. I'm actually, speaking of that, I'm working on a medley of right now of, um, let me see, uh, We Three Kings and mm. Green Sleeves. Green Sleeves going oh, yeah. into We Three Kings and then come back out. So those um, are a lot because it's very like it, it's they're minors in there. It's very sad yeah. sounding. I think that's why I like Holy Night because there's like a, there's a lot going on. And then it, when it when it breaks, it's like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's so it's very melancholy. There's a lot of holiday songs out there that just, um, you know, you pick and choose. You know, you don't have to. There's not just a, a few of them. But I mean, all of this, all that we're talking about here, it's like you. Everyone holds a memory of a different time, of a different mm-hmm. like. You said when you were at home and, and you're and you're putting on the uh, putting on the uh, the CD changer or you're <laughs> watching Home Alone, which by the way I've seen I think maybe three times before Thanksgiving with my kids and they wow. think it's hilarious. Right. Good, um, but um, but it's it's all of those. You know, there's uh, everything uh, has a memory. I think they say, um, I think it's your hearing. Or it's either hearing or smelling holds the most um, memory. Uh, you know, I know like that impressed impression, right? I know that scent is the the sense closest tied to memory. Because like if you smell a certain thing, like ooh, I'm like I'm tr- transported true. back to my high school cafeteria. That's Holy cow. true. Yeah, um, but yeah, there's a lot of smells around the holiday season, especially in your house, based on your um, <laughs> yeah. your bodily habits. <laughs> What, I know from experience. Or baking or what is oh, it? I think you contribute in a certain way. Um, <laughs> let's just say there's a hole in the ozone layer with Nick's name on it. I'll just say that. On that note, I think it's a good, a good place to, <laughs> to stop and uh, gather ourselves and uh, enjoy the rest of this month because we're going to have to figure out, you know, uh, the, the, the first episode of 2022. Yeah, uh, twenty twenty two. I feel like crazy? it's still. It, we, we just started the twenty. I, I was just getting used to twenty twenty one. Well, hopefully, hopefully. I mean, next year's better than. I mean, this one. You know, it's still. It's still weird, but hopefully next year will. Yeah, so. it'll be a little different. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, thanks again to everyone out there listening. We hope you enjoy the holiday season. Stay safe. Stay warm. 
and we will see you next year with the next episode. So until then, this is Sonic Inducers presented by AdRev and we'll see you next time.